Hello friends, I'm Jesse Pruitt. This is the Light of Hope. We are so happy that you joined us on this episode. Uh, today, we might be going a little bit longer than we normally go. We typically are about a 15-minute program. Um, and our research has done, uh, that, that we have done, has, has shown us that that's probably the best time frame. However, today, we just feel like there's a, there's a need to address this subject. Actually, I presented this message yesterday in my church, and uh, I'm going to share this with you. The name of our program today is Make America Christian Again. <laughs> That's, I know that sounds a lot like something you're used to hearing, okay? Um, if you're on the fence here, uh, if you're left-leaning and very radical, then you probably won't even hear what I'm going to say. You might not even be listening to it unless you're trying to find something to, you know, to catch me on. But um, if you're kind of in the middle and you don't know which way to go and you're kind of curious about this, then I, I just ask you to hear me out. I can't change your mind, but maybe you might hear something from God's Word that might uh, convince you. America, I I stated in my book, America Danger Close, it was published in 2012 uh, by Westboat Press, and I actually offered a rebuttal to a resident of the White House that stated that we were not a Christian nation. And, and indicated that we'd never been a Christian nation. And I offered that rebuttal in the book and said that, yes, we were. And even preachers, sometimes you'll hear people say nowadays, oh, we're not a, you know, we're not a Christian nation. We're not Christian. We're, you know, we act like Christian nation. And, and I get that. I get where they're coming from with that because probably to us uh, that live here, we probably, we probably don't think of ourselves as acting like a Christian nation. But my, my contention in the book was this. Ask other nations who we are. Ask them who we are. If you were to ask many nations upon the face of the earth, you're probably going to hear, yes, there are a bunch of Christians, and it probably would not be intended as an, a compliment. So, um, yes, in many ways we are. But my point, my main point with that is that we were founded as such. That's the point. We may not have always and may not be acting like Christians, like we should act, but the point is we were founded as such in the sense that we were founded on the Judeo, what I call the Judeo-Christian ethic. Now, I didn't coin that phrase, but um, basically that's God's law. And if you read your history book, read your social studies book, I teach social studies quite often. If you read that stuff and, and learn for yourself, instead of listening to some of the talking heads that you see on the TV and the radio and different things, social media, if you'll read that for yourself and study, you'll find that our founding fathers based this country on those basic fundamental laws that come from God's law. And all of our laws come from God's law. I mean, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. That's not going to change. If murder was, a, was wrong a million, you know, a thousand years ago, guess what? It's wrong today. And it'll be wrong if we're here a thousand years from now. To take something that doesn't belong to you, to, to rob or steal or be a thief, it, it's wrong. But wrong is wrong. 
um, right is right. And I hear people, and I've had people even say it to me, there's no such thing as absolutes. And I say, well, do you realize that you just made an absolute statement saying that there's no such thing as absolutes? Of course we have to have absolutes. But there are people today that want you to have the, the idea that everything is relative and everything is about you and what you think and how you feel. But I got news for you, folks. I, I hate to be just straight to the point with you, but I got to be. The fact is that what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong, and it's because God said it was that way, and how we feel about it or how we respond to it, that, that matters as far as we're concerned, but doesn't change the fact that it is right or wrong. So there are such things as, as absolutes. Jesus said that he was the way. You've, recent um, podcast, we've covered this in John chapter 14 and, and uh, verses 1 through 6. We were talking about that. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we talked about there's a podcast episode about Jesus is the way. And we could talk a little while on this about Jesus is the truth. He is the absolute truth. He is the person of truth. He's the, he's the total of truth. So um, that, that pretty much solves the absolute issue as far as I'm concerned. But where I'm going to take you today, if you have an opportunity to have your Bible before you, uh, in the epistle of Second Peter chapter 2. What he was writing here was saying that there were false prophets in the Old Testament. And today, just to jump into the middle of this thing, today there are false teachers. And he was talking about our time coming up, and that's where we live right now. He says, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Whoa, boy, that sounds familiar. Even denying the master who bought them, who paid for their salvation, whether they accepted it or not, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And he says, how many will follow their sensuality because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. Now, he didn't say it was going to be uh, stopped or halted. It's just that they'll do their best to malign the truth or, or, or try to make the truth look like it's not the truth. Boy, that sounds like stuff you see on social media, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like that. That's what's happening. Now, I want you to notice a couple of terms, and, and we'll just point this out. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, he's talking to Christian people here, and he told them that they have escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust or through lust. You didn't know that the corruption of the world came through lust? Yes, it did. We could preach on that a while. I don't have time, but I want you to pay attention to that word corruption. Now, that has to do with internal things. Corruption has to do with internal. Now, if you go to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, he is talking about these false teachers and the evil ones and the ones stirring up all the trouble, but he uses a different term here. He said, "If for if, there's the key word there, after they have escaped the pollution, okay, now that we're using a different word, he, he used a different word, that word there has to do with external. So what is, what what it boils down to is these false teachers that have come to tickle people's ears with things they want to hear, to tell them what they want to hear. That's, that's what's going on. And what has happened here is they have not escaped necessarily, at least not all of them. And I don't know people's hearts. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not passing judgment on them. But I have to evaluate what I see and hear. Okay, that... that 
that's legal. That's good. That's what we have to do. But what happens here is these folks have escaped the pollution, which is external. They've, they've shucked off some of that stuff. But listen to what he says here in verse 17 of chapter 2, 2 Peter 2, chapter 17. These are, talking about these, these folks, these are springs without water and mists driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. They, for speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in air. Boy, it, you can just hear it. You can hear it across the airwaves now. Folks who are not trying, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. Christians aren't perfect. We're simply forgiven. There's a difference. We're not trying to be better than anyone else. We're simply trying to be what God called us to be and appointed us to be and cleaned us up to be. But there are folks out there uh, who have other agendas and other desires and their, their base stuff is lust and sensuality. And let me give you an example. What they're doing is they're talking about focusing on here and now. They, they, they talk about, well, this is going to be your best day. This is going to be your best year. They're always telling you what you want to hear. They're always telling you something like fortune tellers or something. They're telling you what you need to hear to, to make you feel good about today. Well, friend, I'm going to be like Dr. Bailey Smith used to say. I want to tell you the truth, and it might hurt your feelings just a little bit right now, but it's going to help you, and it's going to uh, cause you to be able to change from the inside and know Christ. I would rather hurt your feelings a little bit and tell you the truth and it help you than to tell you a lie and lose you you know, forever uh, into a devil's hell. That, he, he's saying the truth is what's important here. And I, I kind of coined a phrase that I use. I guess you'd say I coined it. Um, uh, I, I talking about being candidly com or, or compassionately candid is, is the, the, the term. In other words, telling people the truth and telling them that in love. There's a difference between throwing something at someone and, and you know, just casting it at them or talking at them rather than talking to them. So what I believe Christians ought to do is we ought to speak the truth in love, and that's what the Scripture tells us to do. But what's happening is these false teachers that are going around nowadays we see so much of it, and it's all happy, 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 happy. Well, I love being happy, and I believe in being positive uh, I, rather than negative. I'm a very positive person, but I can think positive all I want to, uh, and it's not going to change me on the inside. You know, it's like Jesus said, you can wash up the dish on the outside, but, but the inside is filthy. <clears throat> and what happened, excuse me. We need to be changed on the inside. Jesus Christ wants to change you on the inside. And when your insides are changed, when he changes your nature by his grace because of what he did on the cross and your faith in him and trust in him as your Savior and Lord, when you trust in him and he changes you on the inside, then your outside will begin to be changed. That's, that's a process we call discipleship. Uh, that, that takes place in, in your life. When your nature has changed, then you will begin to be changed on the outside. You can take a, a, a pig or uh, something like that, and you can, as the old saying is, you can take them out and give them a bath and paint their nails and spray perfume on them and, <laughs> you know, put put pretty ribbons around their tail and their ears and stuff. But if you turn them loose, they're going to go right back to the pig pen. Why? Because their nature has not been changed. They're still a pig. 
You can change, and we can polish ourselves up on the outside. And that's what a lot of people are doing. They're polishing themselves up on the outside, but there's no internal change. What we're offering you when we preach you the gospel is we're offering you a change of heart. And that's what has to happen in order for people to, to have a change in their life. And, and I'm not trying to be down on anyone. I'm just simply trying to say that, that I want you to know what's real. I want you to know that being a Christian is about being changed on the inside, okay? He says all these things that, that people talk about riches and they talk about money and they talk about how much you're going to inherit and how much you're going to get because this is your best day and they're just telling you all this stuff's going to happen to you and they're fortune tellers basically. But Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. Listen, I'm not rich. I'm not, I don't care if I'm rich or not. I don't care. It, I'm learning, like Paul said, to be content with what God allows me to have in my life. My, the, my wealth, uh, like a fellow said on a movie, you know, don't use money to measure wealth. Um, money's not what it's all about. Now, hey, money's great. I mean, I like money as good as anybody else, but it's not my whole life. My whole life is around what things, the things that money can't buy. Uh, it's about family and love and, and, and the good things that come that money cannot bring you. That, that's not happiness. Happiness, happiness requires a happening. Uh, I don't have to have a happening every day to make me happy because I have joy. I have the joy of Christ in my life. Oh, yeah, I have good days and bad days just like anyone else, and so will you. If you come to Christ, you're gonna, your life's not going to be perfect. You live, still live in this world. You still live in this old fleshly body. But the thing is, we have joy. We have the joy of the Lord in our heart. That makes all the difference. Now, let me get down to our nation and my subject of making America Christian again. Yes, we were founded, and I wish I had enough time to elaborate more on that. We were founded. Read your history books. Go look for yourself. Don't listen to these talking heads on the social media and the TV and the radio because they're going to tell you a bunch of stuff that's uh, about equal to the fertilizer that you might bring in by the truckload. But anyway, the point is I want you to see us for yourself, and I want you to go look it up. But if you go looking, you'll find that we were based on God's laws and what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong that is not going to change as far as God's concerned man might change it you might change your attitude and your response to it but it doesn't change the fact that God is right and that's the way it is okay that that's just the truth I'm sorry but there it is right between the eyes now, what is it going to take for America to be Christian again? And I'm saying Christian again in the way that we act, the way that we live. Because a friend of mine just preached just recently a great message that I heard, and he said, we're going to die the way that we live. <laughs> That's exactly right. We're going to die the way that we live. And I might share that message. I might steal that from him and share it with you. But what I'm saying to, do, to you today is, and, and it's what I put in America Danger Close, what I put in, the, in, in that book, is that we have a critical condition. I want to talk about four things real quickly here. We're going a little bit over our normal time length, but we won't be much longer. I want to, four things that I want you to hear. We have a critical condition in America. And if you can find that book, it's available online, Christian Books, Amazon, America Danger Close. I'm not just trying to pump my book. I don't really care. The thing is, I want you to have the truth. I want you to have the content of what's in there. The point is... We have a critical condition of the heart. 
and I just talked about that. There has to be, in order, there's never been, now you hear what I'm telling you, there are so many people out there trying to offer social solutions. Social solutions are not the answer to America's heart problem. America's heart problem is a spiritual condition, and I made this statement, and I'll, state, I'll say it again. There has never been and never will be a social solution to a spiritual problem. America has a spiritual problem. Her problem is that her, her citizens, her people as a whole and individually, we have a heart problem which is a spiritual problem which will only be satisfied when we come and give our heart and life to Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what it amounts to. Now that creates a problem, a critical condition of the home. The reason homes are in such a turmoil, by and large, is because of the condition of the heart. If you change the condition of people's hearts, they'll start acting like they're supposed to act in their homes. Women will start be women, uh, being women, and men will begin to be men, and, and, and it'll be like it was supposed to be. Yeah, I know what you're thinking right now, but you just, just listen to me. I'm saying to you, God has a plan, and that plan is very simple. He intended for a man to be the leader, not just the macho man. It's easy for us to be burly and macho and fish and hunt and do all that manly stuff and things like that. But you can be someone who's not like an outdoor type person and still be the leader and the man of your home and be very much a man in God's eyes. That, that, that outward thing is one thing, but it's difficult for some of the big old burly guys to be leaders, spiritual leaders. You hear what I'm telling you now? Listen to me very closely. To be a spiritual leader is different than just being burly and macho. That, that is a completely different thing. It's easy for us to be all of that on the outward, but being a spiritual leader and being the person in your home, I'm not talking about driving people. I'm not talking about bossing anybody around. I'm talking about simply being a leader. The difference between driving and leading, if you don't know the difference, we need to have a long conversation. You drive cattle, but you lead sheep, okay? There's a difference. You try herding cats. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get anything out of that. that. That's just really going to be a waste of time. So what I'm saying to you is you need to learn how to be a leader. That means you need to get in on your face before God and get in his book. You need to get in there and see how God wants you to conduct yourself in your home and be a man that says, hey, family, let's go. Let's go to church. Let's, let's serve the Lord. Let's, no, let's don't do that. Let's do what's right. Let's do what God said do. That's what we're supposed to do as men. We're supposed to be leaders, loving leaders. God told men to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Okay? Now, the home can be what the home should be when the heart gets right, when we get our hearts right with God. Then we have the house of God, which is the church. <laughs> The church will become what the church is supposed to be when the home, which is the foundation of our society. You know, back when I was in junior high, we had uh, classes called civics class. I don't think you hear that very much. Basically, they kind of thrown that into the social studies classes now. But civics class used to tell us, and we learned this as uh, seventh and eighth graders, that the, the family unit... The traditional, yes, I'm talking about the traditional family unit. I know you're already wanting to throw stuff at the radio. But what I'm saying to you is this, 
that that is what God established. That's him. I didn't say that. That's, I'm simply repeating what he has said. This is his word. This is his way. This is the way he intended it to be. If you don't agree with that, then you've got an issue with God. You need to take it up with him. But the point is, when our, when our, our homes become what they should be because our hearts have been changed, then things are going to change in the house of God. The churches are going to begin to do what God told them to do because they're getting in line. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And then we'll get concerned about people and, and reaching them for Christ. But lastly, and I don't have time to, to, to take a whole lot of time on each subject, but lastly, America will become Christian again because when when. We, <laughs> whoo! I preach so hard now I'm, I'm, I'm out of breath. What we have is a critical condition of the homeland. Our homeland is in critical condition because the house of God is not where it's supposed to be, because our homes are not where they're supposed to be, because our hearts are not with God like they're supposed to be. Those things are in order and they're taking place. So what, hap what is happening in our homeland, and you're seeing some stuff right now that's taking your breath. If you watch the news today, you're probably going to be absolutely astonished at the things that are taking place. And you can't believe this is the same country you grew up in and I'm talking to you folks of my age now I'm, 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 I'm amazed every day and I can't believe that it's real I keep waking up some days going man am I dreaming did I dream that is America really gone that crazy people are doing this stuff out in the open and they act like that it's just you know it's just the normal I can't believe what's taking place, but I'm telling you something. We have a critical condition of the homeland, and all of that comes all the way back to the critical condition of the heart. When people's hearts are changed by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the grace of God, through faith in him, that is when the home will change, the house of God will change, the homeland will change. America can become Christian again in, in the way that we conduct ourselves and the way that we act, um, I know that's not popular anymore. But you know what? I don't care. I don't care what's popular. It's not about what's popular. It's about what God said. And we can become Christian again when we fall on our faces and we call out to Almighty God and we depend on Him to take us where we need to be and bring us back to that place where America began. We have to, folks. We have to. I believe that Jesus is going to return soon. I do. I believe, I have, a, I feel an urgency. I was talking to preachers this week. I sense an urgency that I've never sensed in my life. And that's why I'm on here doing what I'm doing right now. I'm telling you about Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you today, if you feel that need, if you feel that urge in your heart, that unction, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> you need to pay attention to that. Because I've just presented to you, and I know many others are doing the same thing. I just presented you with the gospel message that Jesus took your place, that he died on that cross. He came here to do that. He was all God and all man. He came to this earth to do that for you and for me. And now what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Friends, my name is Jesse Pruitt. I've been blessed to be with you today. I hope you'll join us again on The Light of Hope.